This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello and good day, San Jose. We are the Stick Hungry Podcast, your home of the San Jose Sharks on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm producer T. I'm joined by Kyle McLaren. How are you doing, Kyle? Doing great. Nice weather here in uh, Northern California. I couldn't ask for anything better. Doing a little yard work. How about yourself? I'm doing good too. Not getting quite the weather you are. I'm not getting the heat, but uh, it's not it's not raining much. And so when you're up here, you can't complain too much if it's not raining. That's how I always go. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so yeah. we're actually just just me and Kyle today. No, Dylan. He's uh, traveling out to Fort Saint John. He's working. Uh, I guess he's working at a camp up there. Man, a weird time to be flying. Eh? I can't really imagine that right now. Yeah, I asked him yesterday if he was going to wear the whole face mask and stuff, and. I'm sure the plane's going to be quite empty, so he's going to have a seat next to him open. He says, you know what, he's going to travel with the masks, uh, do what they ask. Uh, but again, it's, it's a weird time. I can't imagine myself flying. My parents live in, uh, like, uh, close to Calgary, but I can't see myself going up there anytime soon right now. No, I, I can't imagine flying either right now. I, I was actually talking to Dylan just before this. He sent me a photo of the, the, way, the departure lounge, yeah. and it's completely empty. It's a ghost town. Wow. There's one other guy there. So I think, I think they're literally going to be like two or three people on this plane. Wow. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy, but like, look at all the, the, no wonder so many companies are going, going under when, yeah. when the, literally no one wants to travel, right? Yeah. Absolutely yeah. no one. I'm actually surprised yeah. that the camps were still going, but I'm, I'm glad that he yeah. gets to work, make some money, and I'm sure yeah. he'll be back on with us soon. Um, yeah. So before we get into the show, I just want to throw out the, uh, the old Twitter handle. So make sure to follow the podcast at StickHungryPod. You can follow myself at Producer underscore T-E-E. You can follow Dylan at D-Y-L, D-Y-L underscore T-H-P-N. Kyle, how about you? Uh, McLaren underscore K. Perfect. Awesome. Make sure to give us a follow. All right, so we're got a bit of a, sh- a shorter episode here because we've got quite a long uh, interview that me and Dylan did with uh, Neil Falapiano. Uh, I'm butchering that last name for sure, like 100%. But anyway, uh, <laughs> my, my strong suit is not names. Uh, he, he is a new host of the Devils podcast in New Jersey. Um, he's a big Sharks fan. So, uh, yeah, that, that was a good talk. He had a lot, a lot to say about the Sharks, which is awesome because, you know, we're a great team, and we got to love it when our fans, even on the East Coast, wherever you are, we're everywhere, I guess, right? Anyone joining the podcast and, and making a difference in the hockey world is a welcome sight to the podcast. Exactly. In, in keeping with that, we actually have a brand new show on the network. Um, it's called Hockey to Heroin. So it's basically a former professional, Brady Levold, uh, probably butchering that as well. <laughs> but he, he played in the WHL. He's played in the ECHL. Um, unfortunately he, oh, well, he battled with addiction during his playing games, uh, playing days. Um, and now he is, um, in recovery and he's basically just has guests on every week. Um, do you want to talk a bit about this at all? It's, it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting show for sure. You know, there's, there's players, uh, there's people out there that have, that have battled addiction, uh, no matter what it is, if it's drug or alcohol or, or anything, 
Uh, and, I, and I actually, when I saw that, because I just saw that this week, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I mean, people want to talk about it. That's that's what it's about, is getting exactly. better. And, and to me, that's uh, it's a big part of it. And, and you don't realize you have a problem and sometimes it's, until it's too late. But uh, I think for him to come on and, and, and talk about it and have guests on it that maybe have gone through it, you look at the big ones, and I always think of Theo Fleury. Um, is one of the big ones that had a big uh, drug addiction. Totally. Uh, I watched Grand Fear uh, special last night. Loved Grand Fear growing up. I was a big Edmonton Oilers fan. He had to deal with a little bit. Didn't seem like it was much of addiction instead of just maybe more of recreational. Mm-hmm. But again, it's, it's getting out there, getting ahead of it, talking about it, knowing some people's problems uh, and what they've gone through. To me, it, it's a big asset to the, uh, to the podcast. For sure. And, you know, even this year, we we had uh, Bobby Ryan. He he came, you know, he had quite open um, issues with it. He had to go to rehab over at the Senators. But he also, I I actually watched, he did a documentary as well after that. And that was, was, it's it's kind of eye-opening because, you know, these guys, they've got a lot of money sometimes, you know, maybe not always, but uh, they've got a lot of money. It's not always easy. There's a lot of pressure and in every, in every steps of life, right? So even if you're not just a hockey fan, if you're looking for somewhere, somewhere just to have support in different ways, I'm sure it's going to be a great show. And I can't wait to get that going on the podcast for sure. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, uh, I, can't wait to, I can't wait to hear what he has to say, to be honest with you. And, and yeah. his guests. I mean, like Bobby Ryan's story. I mean, that was a big one. I mean, I, I didn't know. Yeah, no, ex- I, that's, I think that was the that's the thing right because no one does know like it's it came as a shock for sure for me when i when i saw with bobby ryan because but i you you just never know what's going on in personal lives right yep but he straightened himself out he's getting better exactly and that's all and that's all that yeah exactly i was just stole the words out of my mouth that's all that matters (laughs) exactly uh so we also (laughs) we had a little bit of an interesting uh (laughs) email the other the other day regarding you Kyle uh, Dylan actually received it and it it's it's quite the read I'll I'll, I'll let the listeners uh <laughs> I'll read it out for the listeners and let's see what what they they can get, <laughs> decipher it uh please remind Kyle that we want our chim- uh, wind chimes back he has been dodging us for the last 40 plus years to have him throw it in our face when he sits outside with them blasting in the background on the podcast is completely unacceptable he may be a hockey tough guy but I would like to remind him, we have Charles Bronson, Clint Eastwood, and the Hanson brothers. Don't make us come for them. Do the right thing and drop them in the mail. Signed, the 1970s. <laughs> so, Kyle, I mean, we, me and Dylan have, have uh, mentioned to each other a little bit about the chimes, but I didn't expect this. Right. Well, you know, that was, I, was, I was sitting outside because we did, we did audio uh, before we started doing video. Yeah. Between, between us. Um, I was sitting outside and I never thought anything of it. And again, I'm at my mother-in-law's house and she has wind chimes in the front of the house and in the back of the house. So one day I was sitting out front the first time and I was just, again, we were doing audio, but I could, I could hear them, but even when it's, it's on audio, it's on your speakers. So you don't realize how actually predominant they are. Yeah. But the next time I went in the backyard because it was less windy, but it was in the front. I'm like, and then I get this email and, uh, <laughs> He is a friend of mine that I golf with, a hilarious guy. And there's a, there's a bunch of, there's a group that we go golfing with every single year to different locations. And, uh, and we, we click and, you know, he's a, a I'll put this out because he's going to listen to this. He is a bad golfer. <laughs> <laughs> I 
he is a bad, bad golfer. And I'll just throw that out there. But he texted me right after. Cause I, I told him, I said, I mean, a lot of my friends, I've given them the podcast information. They're all sharks fans. And I gave it to him and he listened to it. He's like, what's with the wind chimes do? He's like, I can hear them the whole show. And so now I'm sitting in the, a room where nobody hears the wind chimes, but I think I'm going to put them, I'm going to hang out behind me <laughs> just to have them for him. Yeah. I it, was, it was a funny, I mean, it was a funny thing because he asked me if I got the email. I'm like, no, it went to you guys. <laughs> and you guys sent it to me and I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, you know what? And I get another one. I get another text the other day saying the same thing. I'm like, all right, I got to, I got to be, because I mean, I love being outside. But when you're doing audio, you don't think of the surrounding. You know what I mean? I got bikes uh, driving by. But again, it's like I have the TV on now, and I'm sure people can hear me watching ESPN, watching football stuff going on. So it's just a different way to think about it. But I'm like, oh, my God. When, he, when I saw that from you guys, I had to text him up right away and just laugh at him because that's just the way he is. Because the first thing he said, it, it wasn't about – Hey, great job or anything like that. <laughs> it was what the fuck is up with the wind chimes? And I'm like, yep, that's Mike. That's his name. It's Mike. And I'm like, oh my god, Mike. And so we had a long conversation about it. But I'm like, all right, I'm getting it. I mean, I'm starting to get it. How's that sound? <laughs> well, we've noticed that there's been a bit less background noise uh, the further we've gone along. So <laughs> I, I think we're finally getting there. But I, I kind of like Amazing. the idea. I think I kind of like the idea yeah. of just having them go in all the time now. If it, you know, just just every right. every few minutes, just give them a little dangle behind you, you know. <laughs> just this one's just for a Mike. Little dangle. I, mean, I was gonna grab some and just throw them right, right behind me here. Yes, yeah. Just for oh, payment. Man, that would be so funny. He's obviously a funny guy because that email is just it cracks me up, man. Oh my god, I can't believe I can't believe he actually sent you an email. <laughs> I mean, and again, I know who it is. So was not somebody I didn't know? Yeah. But again, I have a lot of my friends. I got a lot of my friends uh, joining the network now. All that they follow the sharks. Yeah, and uh, it was just nice to see because they were. So it was nice. Yeah, no, man, and it's great to see that you know you got your buddies listening because uh, you know we want to we, we like you said sharks fans sharks content you know what what and right right now man yeah. there's there's nothing to watch on tv no news so you might as well be listening to us yeah. right <laughs> yeah I'd rather, I'd rather i'd rather listen to us and talk to us and watch the news right now so any totally. any entertainment's great entertainment you know it's just it's uh it's, it's a weird world we're living in right now it really is a weird weird world but uh one thing that's not gonna gonna get lost during this time Kyle, is the fact that you can use Manscaped. You can keep yeah. your balls nice and trim. Uh, are, you still, are you still using them? You still got stuff left in it, or are you all used it all up? Hey, my, uh, my balls are thanking me every single day. I'll tell you that. You know I mean, the toner, the conditioner, you know what I mean? Uh, I actually, I love it. I mean, it's nice and easy. It's smooth. Uh, the razor is nice. I mean, I love the after products, too, with lotion and the toner. Uh, but again, it's a great, great product. Yeah, you can't go wrong with my Manscaped, especially if you enter promo code THPN, you get 20% off your next purchase and free shipping. So make sure to check that out. Uh, so, Kyle, I think it's uh, about time that we, uh, we go over to Neil Filipiano. I think I said it differently again. God, <laughs> I'm, he's going to hate me. Anyway, it's time to jump over. We'll go over to Neil. 
All right, folks, joining us on the Stick Hungry podcast today is Mr. Neil Villapiano. How is that for an Italian name? We need one of those on the podcast. Neil, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, guys. How you doing? I'm, I got to tell you, I'm really excited to be on here because, uh, you know, a lot of people know me as a Devils fan, but not many people know that I'm actually also a diehard San Jose Sharks fan living all the way out here in New Jersey. That's what we like to hear. And tell me, rate me out of 10. How well did I nail that last name of yours? 10 out of 10. And, and you know, it's amazing. Not many people say it right on the first try. And that's what's really, uh, that's what's really incredible when, uh, you know, you and also Isha also both nailed it on the first try. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to. That's why we didn't get producer T introduced. I, I was literally about to say, I don't think the, that would have gone as <laughs> smoothly if it was, if it was me. I'm, yeah, uh, no, I'm, no, no, I'm no, notorious. No. I'm notorious at butchering names. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's fine. It's, it's a, look, it's a tough name. A lot of people spell it wrong. A lot of people say it wrong. Um, but, you know, it, I'm impressed that you, you guys got it on first try. <laughs> so uh, tell me, how's your life been under this whole, uh, whole quarantine because of the coronavirus? What's keeping you busy these days? Well, first of all, I have uh, my own podcast and uh, YouTube channel that I work with, uh, the Mofobo Network. And basically, I just talk about literally everything that's going on in sports, not just hockey, but everything that's going on, you know, different ways that people are, you know, you know figuring out how to get through it. Um, I watched the first two episodes of uh, The Last Dance on ESPN last night which I thought was really good. Um, you know, and also, uh, you know, being on some of these podcasts. Uh, and, and I got to tell you, I really, I really enjoy, uh, you know, listening to you guys and everyone else because you guys do a uh, phenomenal job. Yeah, we really appreciate it, man. Um, no so uh, how's that Michael Jordan documentary been? Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet. It's on my list for tonight's watching. I got some popcorn ready to pop and watch that one. How's it been so far? Well, obviously, I don't want to spoil anything for you and, and really anybody that's listening. But I, I mean, it's it's so far, it's really good. And, and what what really kind of uh, strikes me is that I did not um, wasn't really alive during that time, uh, or I was just I was just born um, around that time during the last uh, big season that they had. So I, I never got to really see these guys play um, and just learning about it. Because yeah, I, I mean, I've heard about what they're able to accomplish. But now we're getting a behind-the-scenes, a really big behind-the-scenes look as to how, um, you know, Michael Jordan and that team had to persevere through that season. So it's definitely it, – already the first two episodes, you can tell that this thing is going to be intense. It is going to be really, really good. And for the next couple of weeks, sports fans like myself have something to really look forward to every Sunday night. I mean, with no sports, we need something, right? We need something right. to fill that appetite. I've been dying here. But I want to get into uh, your work with the Jersey Shore Whalers in the USHL. Talk a bit about uh, your role with that team. Yeah, so uh, I've been with the Jersey Shore Whalers now for three seasons. I just finished up my third year, and I am the color commentator and also camera person. So I kind of multitask every game. I, I, uh, I you know, do the camera to make sure we get good footage, you know, during uh, our live games, which are on HockeyTV.com. And uh, I also do color commentating uh, with my partner, uh, Jimmy Finizzi, who's the play-by-play guy. So I kind of have to multitask every game, but uh, I got to tell you, just the opportunity to broadcast the sport that I, you know, that's really like my first, you know, my first love and, and really my favorite sport to to watch and, and to see in person, um, you know, it's kind of like a dream come true, basically. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've loved every single step of it. So you're the cameraman and the color commentary. I mean, yeah. 
Is that tough? Is that tough to multitask? I mean, just even calling the games, your mind has to be sharp. And now you're trying to do two things at once. Uh, that's pretty impressive, man. Yeah, you know, it would actually be a lot tougher if I was doing play-by-play because a lot of the time I'm staring into a small screen instead of looking out like at the actual live action. But being a color, being a color commentator, I learned that, you know, you have a lot more opportunity to think about what, what you want to say and how you want to present things that happen in the middle of the game or that just happened in the game. So it can be a challenge every now and then to make sure that you're, you're focusing on both at the same time. But it, just like with everything else, if you just, if you do it over a, a bunch, eventually you're going to make it easy on yourself and it's just going to become something that, you know, just doesn't, uh, doesn't require too much and you have a lot of success with. So for me, it was tough at first, but over time, now that I've been doing it for over three seasons now, uh, I, I've gotten the hang of it quite a lot. So you do your talking while you're you're spinning that camera around, following yeah. the holy. I can't I can't imagine doing that. I, I struggle to like read and talk. You can at the same talk time. A podcast for crazy. honestly, like that the the brain power going on there. I, I gotta yeah. admire that. Yeah, no, it's it, it, look, it's 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 not for everybody, but I always suggest that it's it's one of those opportunities that you get to try to get your name out there to get people to notice you. Uh, you know, people get to listen to us live and. Uh, you know, I always try to bring the best quality of video and also the best insight that I can get um, so that people can really, you know, stay, stay connected with their, with their kids when they watch them on TV. Because not every kid is from the area uh, that the team is located. We've had kids come from different countries and different states in the United States uh, come to New Jersey and play. So uh, we, get a, we, get, we get a nice brand of different personalities and different type of backgrounds. So not every parent gets a chance to come to every game and see their kid play live. So they have to rely on us to give them the best type of, um, you know, broadcast. And we try to do that myself and, and Jimmy and everybody that works with us. Uh, we try to give the best that we possibly can game in and game out. So you're a Jersey boy. We're going to stay on the New Jersey topic and actually some exciting news. You have joined the hockey podcast yep. network as the new host of the New Jersey Devils show. How does that feel? That's like getting drafted in the first round. I mean, it, it feels phenomenal because, you know, I, I've, always, I've always been able to, uh, you know, have a really strong opinion, uh, whether it's with my own teams or with teams that I'm, you know, I, I watch from time to time. And this is just in all sports in general. But now, given the opportunity to, you know, have a show and talk about the team that, that you know, that I really, really, you know, love and I really care about um, and give my opinion is, uh, is phenomenal. And I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate, you know, what you guys and uh, – Isha have done to give me this opportunity and I'm uh, I hope I could do the best that I possibly can with what I know and uh, bring some uh, more entertainment uh, to the hockey pod network so I'm glad to be here I'm glad to join the network and I'm looking forward to uh, what the future has in store for all of us well we're super glad that you're uh, joining the network for sure I, I know that <clears throat> we can all say that but you were saying that you're looking forward to give your opinion on on the Devils so what went wrong with the Devils this year? What's your opinion on that? <laughs> oh, oh, you're going to make me go down this road. All right. Well, no, I mean, Isha asked me the same question on the soda pod, so I, I got I to gotta get back. I got to say it again. So basically my opinion towards what went wrong is it, it kind of goes back to, honestly, it kind of goes back to five years ago when Ray Shiro hired John Hines. Um, I was never a fan of John Hines. I never thought he was going to be that good of a NHL head coach. And the Devils were lucky two years ago to make the playoffs because the team won in spite of him. He, he has a coaching system that 
he tries to get every player to play his style instead of developing a style around the players that he has. And that was one thing that I missed about Pete DeBoer uh, when he was with the Devils is that he did have a system that he kind of, you know, you know, tweaked here and there with the players that he had. Um, and then I think that's one of the reasons why he had the success that he did in San Jose, um, except this year, obviously. But the Devils, John Hines was not the right fit for the team. And I think that Ray Shiro kind of ran his course. I think he made a lot of really good moves. He brought in Taylor Hall. He was able to get not one, but two first overall picks. But when it came to trying to actually go out and maybe spend some money with the huge amount of cap space that the team has had and still has, um, and to not really bring in any other big-name guys except maybe P.K. Subban to a lesser extent, um, it's just not been good. And, and um, it's, it stinks to see Ray Shiro get fired, but I, I kind of figured it was time to go. I've really liked Tom Fitzgerald so far. Uh, I think that he's been more bluntly honest with everybody and saying that this team is still a few years away from being a playoff and then eventually Stanley Cup contender. And that's what we want. We want honesty and we want the truth about where this team is. And we have a lot of young pieces coming in. You know, we have Jack Hughes, Nico Hishier, Jesper Bratt, Nikita Gusev. We have Mackenzie Blackwood coming in. the. You know, we, we have guys in our farm system that if they're developed correctly could become really good. And we have a huge amount of draft picks going into this year's draft. So it'll be interesting to see where we go from there. But the main thing that went wrong this year is that I think the Devils, uh, Ray Shiro in particular, was so worried about losing Taylor Hall in free agency that he made a lot of moves that maybe were not the correct moves to make. So bringing in P.K. Subban might not have been the world's smartest move. Bringing in Wayne Simmons probably wasn't the, the smartest move. Nikita Gusev, it took him some time to learn the NHL game, but I believe that it's going to pay off in spades once he really gets going. Now that he's had basically a full year under his belt, he knows the game, he knows what he can do, and as you saw him progress throughout the season, he became a dynamic player, a guy that I have not seen the Devils have since the likes of Ilya Kovalchuk. And that's how good I think Nikita Gusev can become. So there's a lot of optimism right now in uh, Devils country. It's just about figuring out who's going to be the real new GM, you know, whether it's Tom Fitzgerald or someone else, and then who's the head coach. That's what we're looking for. Once we have those two things in the fold and we know where we're going, then it's about how do we do in the draft? What do we get in free agency? And then kind of going from there and figuring it out. So there's optimism. It stinks that the season went the way that it did because there was a lot of high expectations trying to get back to the playoffs, trying to get Taylor Hall signed long-term. I know people want to talk about there's still the possibility that he could come back in the offseason because he might get the best deal and the most money from the Devils. I don't think that's probably going to happen, but I've seen crazier things happen. But, you know, just – some things didn't go right that I think uh, was kind of a hit or miss type of, of hope. And uh, a lot of things missed. Uh, the first half of the year did not go well, but I think the team kind of finished strong uh, second half of the year. And, and I think there was some pride uh, got uh, brought back to the uh, Devils organization from the way the season kind of finished. So where do you see this team next year? I mean, you mentioned they had a pretty good second half of the year. Uh, do you think they're going to build on that momentum and maybe push for a playoff spot? Or do you think this team's still two, three years away from that kind of status? I think the team is still another year away from being a, a playoff contender. I think that they will probably compete throughout next season. I, it, again, it kind of depends on who they get in the draft and also what type of free agents can they you know, attract to the team. I don't know 
who's who's going to be available. You know, we have to get through the point where, you know, we could get back to start playing hockey in general. And, you know, considering that the NHL salary cap is not going to go up that much now because of the fact that we've had a work stoppage, um, will definitely uh, create some issues. But the Devils still have a lot of cap space, a lot of possibilities. They have a huge amount of draft. I think three going into next next draft. So, so there's a lot of possibility. But I think when I look at the team, Again, it might also depend on who the coach and GM are, but I think the team is probably two years away from being a playoff contender and maybe three or four years away from being a Stanley Cup contender because we just need these young guys to really get more experience and, um, you know, really understand what it takes to get there, you know, and, and that's, how, that's how all great Stanley Cup teams are built, and that's how I think uh, Tom Fitzgerald is going to build this team uh, moving forward. Uh, are there any key players that you really expect to to make a jump like next year? Quite, yeah. I think feel like one answer is kind of obvious in in Jack Hughes, but but like, is there a couple other ones that you you, you have your eye on coming into next year? Yeah, well, the two guys that really stand out to me are probably Nikita Gusev and Mackenzie Blackwood. I think those are the two guys. Like I mentioned before, Nikita Gusev, he kind of struggled early on because he was learning the NHL game. The ice is a lot smaller than what he was accustomed to playing in the KHL. And they made the coaching change. It clearly was – it was very obvious that Gusev was not feeling the system that John Hines was trying to force down his throat. And once he was given the green light to kind of just play the way he was capable of playing, he became a dynamic player and a guy that if you just let him do what he does best, and that is shooting the puck and, and making crisp passes, then he's going to become a 30-40 goal scorer. He's going to be that guy that you can depend on to be that, you know, top-line uh, winger. And then with Mackenzie Blackwood, I mean, you talk about the amount of, you know, load work that he got this year, particularly in the first half of the season. He really had to play a lot because the Devils just didn't have a decent backup behind him. Corey was getting, Corey Schneider was dealing with injuries. Uh, Louis Domingue was not that good. Um, and, you know, Gilgis Sin, their, their young uh, possible uh, goaltender, still needs another year probably in the minors, but he could easily be the backup if, you know, we get to that point. But I think Blackwood has the chance to become a very, very good goaltender. Definitely he's a starting goaltender in my opinion. And I think if the Devils can kind of build their team like they did when they had Martin Berdur and kind of go from building the back end and getting their defense set, uh, it will make it a lot easier on Mackenzie Blackwood and it will help the Devils uh, focus more on eventually getting more goal scoring um, you know, for, for their wingers. But I think Gusev and Blackwood are the two guys that I think Devils fans should keep their eye on going into the 2020-21 season whenever that season really gets underway. There you go, folks. You heard him put 50 bucks on Gusev getting 30 goals next year. Neil Villapiano, he put his money on it. Uh, yeah. let's, let's get out of the Devils talk. I want to go into some San Jose Sharks talk. Sure. Um, and you mentioned you have a bit of a connection to the Sharks being a fan. Uh, why don't you speak on that quickly? Sure. So, uh, you know, about 30 years ago or so, my, my dad uh, spent a couple of years living in San Jose while he got his uh, doctorate from Stanford University. Uh, and he was working for a company out there. And, uh, you know, the Sharks hadn't, hadn't uh, been uh, created yet. But when he moved back here to Jersey uh, and the Sharks became an NHL team, he immediately became a fan because he was like, well, I lived out there. You know, I, um, you know, I have another team to, to root for. And so that's what it was. So, for me growing up, I was one of those kids that wanted to like every team that your parents liked. So 
when I was watching hockey, obviously became a Devils fan. I've been to a lot of games over my life. And I also would watch Sharks games with my dad. And I would stay up at 10, you know, it'd be 10 o'clock on the East Coast. And I would stay up until 1, 2 o'clock in the morning watching uh, Sharks games. And I fell in love with the team. I loved, you know, the logo. It's been one of the, I think, most intimidating logos in the National Hockey League. Their, their jerseys are off the charts, particularly that uh, black and uh, kind of dark teal one that they have now, uh, that kind of Eric Carlson showed off at uh, the beginning of last season. I think that's probably one of the cleanest ones you'll see in the NHL. And, uh, you know, I've watched the San Jose Sharks now. I would say I've been a diehard fan for the past decade. I kind of started in 2010. It kind of went from there. And uh, I have shed a lot of tears watching the Sharks um, year in and year out. And I think I think last year was probably the one where it really kind of tore my heart out just because of how much, you know, emotions you had to go through between the whole series against Vegas to how the series ended up going against St. Louis. And uh, I actually did. I've been to one Sharks game my entire life, and it was actually game four of the 2016 Stanley Cup Finals. My dad, as a present for me when I graduated from high school, he said, um, do you want to go to San Jose to see the Sharks in the finals? And I said, absolutely, because my dad had said, when the Sharks make the Stanley Cup finals, we are going. And so we were like, well, do we go to Pittsburgh to see them play or do we go to San Jose? And we went to San Jose. And it, I got to tell you, they are – the Sharks fans are some of the nicest fans you will ever meet. I talk to so many of them, and, and they ask me, oh, where are you from? And I go, oh, I'm from New Jersey. I, I'm, I'm a big Devils fan, but I'm also a Sharks fan. They were like, oh, that's so sick. Like, a lot of us also like the Devils. We think they're badass just like us. Like, it's kind of like – kind of the, 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 the fan bases are very similar from what I've – Learn, you know, that they're hardcore, you know, they, they grok to their team and they're, and they're there no matter what. And just being in the shark tank was just an out-of-body experience, in my opinion. Just how loud it was, how passionate the fan base is, and it, it was just great. And, you know, to, you know, just last season, going through that whole series against Vegas, um, you know, I had, my, my ex-girlfriend got into hockey because of me and uh, – she actually became a Golden Knights fan because she didn't like the sh – she was like, I don't want to be a Sharks fan like you. I want to pick my own team. She goes, I'm going to like the Golden Knights. And I'm like, of all the teams, you uh, really had to go with Or after the breakup that you became a Vegas Golden Knights fan. <laughs> Jesus. No, it was – it was – and we sat and we watched every game of that series. And I remember when it was 3-1 Vegas, she was taunting me. She's like, oh, it's okay. Better luck next season like every other year with the Sharks. And I'm like – you better watch yourself because, you know, because if the Sharks win game, if the Sharks win a game in Vegas, they are the Knights are screwed. And when when Tomas Hurdle scored against the Knights in Game Six, it was like, oh my God, they just came back from down three one and have a chance to win a Game Seven. And to go down three nothing in the third period, have Joe Pavelski get hurt like he did. And then to make that miracle of a comeback and eventually win it in overtime was arguably the greatest hockey game I probably ever watched in my life. Um, and it was I'm awesome. I'm not going to argue that. I'm not going to argue it that. It was awesome. A special moment. I loved every single second of it. And it was like, you couldn't tell me that the Sharks were not destined to go to the finals that year. I said, this is it. This is going to be that year. They're finally going to get over the hump. They get to St. Louis and I'm like, They've beaten St. Louis in the playoffs before. They can do it again. And when they won that game three, I said, they're winning this series. And then, unfortunately, 
Martin Jones kind of started to regress, which I was afraid of, but you know, it happens and uh, the season ended and uh, it, it stung, it stung and it still stings considering what has happened this season. Well, yeah, I mean, it, that kind of transi- transitioned into what I wanted to ask you next, Neil, in that what do you think the team, because we have done so poor, what do you think uh, this team has to do moving forward to, to, to make the positive changes and get back to a position yeah. where we can challenge? Because this team does not look anything close to a, a team challenging for the playoff, uh, for a Stanley, Club, uh, Stanley Cup right now. Well, I think my first question is, can we go back and not, and not give Eric Carlson that massive contract and bring, <laughs> and bring Joe Pavelski back? Because I think that would be the first thing I would want. Um, you know, letting Joe Pavelski go, you know, the captain, the heart and soul of that team, the big emotional thing that the Sharks kind of rallied around during last year's playoffs, um, that was really hard to swallow. And to just see him go like that w- was tough. And then the fact that Doug Wilson, unfortunately, could not come up with the money because of the amount of money he gave Eric Carlson and the amount of money he has for Logan Couture and Hurdle and, you know, Martin Jones – it was really tough, and it still is really tough knowing that he's not on the Sharks anymore. Um, that, was, that, that was probably something um, that really stung. But looking at this team, this team, you could ask the question, is this the beginning of the end? Is this the beginning of the Sharks' you know, run of being this successful for this long? I, I don't see it because I think the team still has loads of talent. Uh, they may not have one of the strongest farm systems in the NHL, but they still have some guys that can develop. I mean, they drafted, they drafted guys like Tomas Hurdle. They drafted Timo Meyer, And they became very talented. Kevin LeBanc. They, they have these guys in the fold that, you know, if it wasn't for injuries, this team would probably be a lot better. And I think that was the biggest thing. If the Sharks can get back to being fully healthy going to the next season and stay as healthy as possible, they'll go right back on track. I don't think that there should be any problem. I look at the way the Pacific Division has, you know, kind of gone out. If, they, if the Sharks had everybody healthy and everything was going the way it usually goes, the Sharks would be in front of the Pacific Division by probably 10-plus points. Because I just think that they're a lot better than, than a lot of the teams that are in the Pacific Division. I mean, we have – what are the top three teams? Vegas, Calgary, and, and, and freaking um, Edmonton. I mean, really. Like, I think the Sharks are better than all three of those teams. And that's just, just not just a bias thing. That's from an analyst standpoint. They have the talent. But I think the biggest question mark has to be, what the heck are we doing with the goaltending situation? Now, Aaron Dell is a free agent. Do they resign him? Maybe, maybe they don't. I heard rumblings about maybe the Washington Capitals don't keep Braden Holpe and Holpe becomes a free agent. How much money does Holpe want? If, if it's not that much, maybe the Sharks can work out a thing where they could try to move uh, Martin Jones and bring in Braden Holpe because maybe bringing in a goaltender – with a little bit more of a track record, even though he's kind of up there in age as well, might be an idea. But, you know, it, it's just really trying to keep the core that you have, remain healthy, and get a good coach. Now, a lot of people have disagreed with me on this, but there are two guys. Same thing with the Devils. There's two guys that really stand out to me when it comes to who I think should be the next Sharks head coach. And you guys might laugh. One of them is Gerard Gallant. Because I look at him and I say, you know what? A lot what? of people just turn the podcast off. Well, look, <laughs> if Pete DeBoer gets fired by the Sharks and goes to Vegas, why can't the Sharks do the same thing? Hey, true enough, true With enough. teams, the rivalry still stays. It's still just as intense as it was before. It's just that the coaches switch teams. And I don't think Gerard Gallant is that bad of a coach. 
the, the Golden Knights were not in that bad of a situation when they fired him. He was the most surprising fire of all the coaches this season. And Peter Laviolette, I think, also would be a solid hire because this guy has a track record. He's brought in two teams to the Stanley Cup Finals, and he's won a Stanley Cup. He has that experience. He knows what it takes. And he's a coach that does better when the team is already in a position to win, and that's where the Sharks are. They're in a position to win. They want to try to win that Stanley Cup for San Jose, and I think that would be a good fit. I, I don't really know anybody else that would be that would be good, um, you know, but – it, that, to me, th- those would be the two guys I'd like to see. But getting a head coach, staying healthy, and maybe trying to improve the goaltending situation would be the three key things that I think San Jose needs to needs to work on going into this offseason and preparing for next year. Do you think we have enough, enough flexibility, though? I mean, we have a lot of money tied up in guys like Eric Carlson, which you yep. brought up before, Brent Burns. You know, even Mark Edward Vlasic has a big deal I mean, going into next season, I know what you're saying. I mean, if everyone's healthy, I think we can compete for the playoffs. But can we compete for a Stanley Cup with the same roster? I'm not too sure. And like I mentioned at the, at the start of this question, do we have the flexibility to actually give us that edge? Doug Wilson will probably have to try to get a little bit creative with money, considering, like you just mentioned, a lot of the money is invested in Eric Carlson, Logan Couture, you know, Brent Burns, guys like that. There's a lot of money invested in the core guys that they have on the team. So he'll probably have to get creative. Like I said, if he's trying to improve the goaltending situation and try to move on from Martin Jones, he probably will have to throw in a, a pick or two like he's done before. The fact that he got a first-round pick for Barkley Goodrow, he might use that first-round pick to try to get somebody to take Daniel uh, – not Daniel Jones. I'm thinking of the Giants right now. Uh, Martin <laughs> Jones is um, – I've been saying Daniel Jones all day, trust me. Martin Jones's um, contract. So they may have to do it that way. So, I, I mean, it's it, – Doug Wilson has been a very good GM. I think he's one of the better ones in the league considering what he's – you know, he's basically built. And I think we'll just have to get creative. But do I think this is a team that can compete for a Stanley Cup? They can, again, if it, it comes down to those three things. What type of head coach can they bring in? Can everybody stay healthy? And if they can fix the goaltending situation, whether it's Martin Jones getting a new coach and just revitalizing his 2016 or even 2019 playoff form um, or bringing in someone else or who knows. And also, you'll have to see if Doug Wilson tries to get in a lower tier free agent that might be a guy that they're missing, like a Gustav Nyquist or an Eric Fair from a couple of years ago. You know, or bringing in a guy like a James Reimer, who was a very solid backup in 2016. So it, it's, it doesn't have to be big-name guys like the Sharks have always been kind of rumored to go after. It could be just lower-tier guys that can, you know, you know, make contributions, especially when it comes to the playoffs, because this team has constantly been built to be a playoff-tested team, and they are. The core guys have been there time and time again. There are really no more excuses considering that Father Time is undefeated and will eventually hit the Sharks, they have to get it going. They have to find a way to get over that hump. And whether it's, you know, getting rid of some guys that maybe fans liked in order to bring in older but more talented players or getting lower tier guys, like I said, it's different things like that. So I kind of – I have a lot of trust in Doug Wilson that he'll make moves that will benefit the team – uh, whether it's short-term or long-term, it does, you know, either way it kind of works out. Um, but really, if the hockey gods are kind, because they haven't been kind in the last 
decades of the Sharks when it comes to trying to win a cup. Maybe just maybe one year the hockey gods will allow San Jose to finally win a Stanley Cup because I'm I, I look I'm only 22 years old. I got a lot of life left to live, but how many more years do the Sharks really have to compete? That's a really good question considering the core that they have. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm hoping I don't have gray hair before uh, that <laughs> point comes up. One last Sharks question for you, Neil. Who's on your San Jose Sharks Mount Rushmore? Oh, so, oh, jeez. All right, well, let's. we got to think about this. So, um, Throwing a curveball on here. No, it, it is tough. Um, funny, funny story real quick. Uh, the only player on the Sharks that my dad despises for whatever reason is Patrick Marlowe. And his argument was that, oh, Patrick Marlowe never comes through in the playoffs, which, I mean, I kind of see where he's coming from considering – you know, times where Patrick Marlowe kind of disappears in the postseason, but Neil, that's that's a first for me. I've never heard of a yeah. Sharks fan hating on Patrick Marlowe. Never heard no, of it. I don't hate. No, I don't hate Patrick Marlowe. I don't. I don't but really have a problem. Old man, though. Yeah, my dad. He's never liked them. When we were at the Stanley Cup Finals, they had a big, you know, cutout of Patrick Marlowe. They said, "Hey, Dad, why don't you go take a picture in front of your boy?" <laughs> like, here you go. Like, and he was just laughing, and it was just funny. But um. But now Rushmore, okay, so what, that's four guys, right? Is that a character? Yeah. Four guys, let me see. I, I think so. I mean, we're not even American. Yeah, well, I'm not American. I don't actually know that one. Oh, really? You guys are not American? Yeah, so uh, we live on Vancouver Island, uh, same as Isha Jerome. We're actually good friends. We grew up together. So, uh, yeah, BC boys. Awesome, uh, awesome. Well, we, this, have, we have a California connection with our other co-host, Colin McLaren. Um, yeah. He was a defenseman for the San Jose Sharks for quite a few years, but yeah. – uh, yeah, no, we're just a couple Canadians talking yeah. about <laughs> Hey, look, I, I have no problem. I don't get to speak to a lot of Canadians about hockey. So this, this, is, a, this is a great experience for me, no question about it. So, well, I mean, you're um, joining the network. we got plenty of Canadians for you to talk to uh, moving in the future. Yeah, that, I, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, my Mount Rushmore, let's see. So the first guy I put on there is Joe Thornton. I think, um, you know, considering what he has done in his, you know, illustrious career with the Sharks and, you know, how much he's been able to accomplish and how much he's been able to bring positivity to, you know, Southern California and San Jose with the Sharks uh, would be up there. Uh, another guy, Joe Pavelski, again, same type of impact, you know, drafted by the Sharks, played pretty much his entire career except this year with San Jose, became a fan favorite, was always a great player. And I've told people all the time, if you want to learn how to, you know, deflect pucks better than everyone else, just watch highlights of Joe Pavelski standing in front of the net on a power play because this man just deflects pucks like I've never seen any other player have, you know, before. It's incredible how much he's able to do that. And that's what really impresses me. Um, so it would be Thornton Pavelski. Uh, I like to see them carve out that beard of Joe Thornton. I, I was thinking right. the exact same. Like, yeah, what like if like Brent Burns up there? That's right. How long are they going to make it go down? You know, it's the question. They have to go all the way down to the ground. You know, how, like, how long are we doing this? Um, I'm going to throw an interesting one out here. Uh, I'm going to put Evgeny Nabokov on the Mount Rushmore. And I say that because when I look at the, the, the goaltenders of the past, the San Jose Sharks, I think the one that people talk about the most and really always associate with San Jose is Evgeny Nabokov. He was a phenomenal goaltender with San Jose. He was that first big star goaltender that the Sharks had. Um, and he... You know, he was always a reliable goaltender. 
He really was, even in the playoffs. You could always count on him to come through with big-time saves to keep the Sharks in games. And the Sharks won a lot of playoff games and a lot of playoff series because of getting to Bakov, you know, help them out. And I, I go back to that one series, you know, many years ago when they played Dallas and Nabokov made that glove diving save on uh, Brad Richards, and it just somehow stayed, uh, pat, you know, in front of the line. It didn't go over, and I said, "Wow, that is unfreaking believable that he made that save. That he even that's had one of the most move. amazing saves I've ever seen in hockey. That was on every single highlight reel for for a couple of years after yeah. that." Yeah, and, and look, I'm a huge Martin Brodeur fan, and I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen Martin Brodeur make a save like that. Like, that is incredible what he was able to do. But I would put Nabokov out there, and also the fact that he wore 20. I have no idea why I always thought that was kind of cool, that he was, like, the first goalie that I ever saw wear a number that wasn't in the 30s. He wore 20, and I always tried to figure out why he wore 20. I think that was just the thing that he was used to wear, a number that he was used to wearing. So Nabokov. He's definitely up there, uh, on there. And uh, ooh, this is tough. You got one more. T- there's there's one spot left on that mountain. Who's it gonna ooh. be? You know, I think I'm gonna throw. And this is funny because I never saw him play, but I'm gonna throw Jamie Baker in there. Okay, all right. I'm gonna throw right. Jamie Baker in there, and and I say that because again, when I look at the Mount Rushmore, I look at guys that were not just like great players, but also made massive influences with the organization you know, throughout their entire career. Now, Jamie Baker was a very good player, especially when he was with San Jose. But the the impact that he's had as a broadcaster and also opening up about his situation and, and his, his mental health has been wonderful. And, you know, I, I really enjoy listening to him. I think he's very wise about the game. And I think he's just one of those guys that San Jose Sharks fans like myself uh, really love and love that the Sharks have always been about, you know, having this, close-knit family-like thing because when you really think about it there are a handful of guys on this team that have been there for five six seven eight nine years together I mean Joe Thornton's been there for a very long you know um Patrick Merle same thing Pavelski Couture you know all those guys have been around for so long because Doug Wilson makes it such a pleasure and a great experience to live in San Jose play for the Sharks and, and have that type of success. And, I, and I, you can ask almost any player that has played sometime or another in San Jose, and they will tell you that they loved it. You know, I remember when Jeremy Roenick, they asked him, why did you go play for the Sharks? He said, I love that fan base. I love playing for that team. It was unbelievable. Danny Heatley was the same way. Devin Setaguchi was another guy. They all loved playing there. There's, I have never heard one player whether they're playing now or not playing anymore, who said, I did not enjoy my time playing in San Jose. And I think that's something that you have to give Doug Wilson and, you know, the entire Sharks organization a lot of credit for, for making it. So, yeah, I I would put Jamie Baker up there as kind of like a a wild card. And, I mean, if you want me to throw a fifth guy in there, I would put Logan Couture. I mean, I can't speak enough. The the way the the, – when he – did what he did against the Golden Knights, where he basically took it upon himself to turn that game around and to help the Sharks propel to win that series and that game, he kind of cemented himself as a San Jose Sharks legend right then and there. I think, you know, I still remember he scored the first goal and he looked right at the bench and he said, that's one. And it was just like phenomenal. And uh, my, um, 
uh, I, for a while, I actually had as my wallpaper, I had um, Logan Couture when he scored the third goal that tied the game, kind of had his arms up like this. Mm-hmm. And it was just like this out-of-body experience. And it was just like, you know, he is a phenomenal player and an underrated player. And if he was in a bigger market, he probably would be appreciated a lot more throughout the NHL. But I'm glad he's a San Jose Shark, and I'm glad he's the captain of the San Jose Sharks because he is just that phenomenal of a player and that great of a person as well. Neil, our fans are stroking it off right now. They love hearing <laughs> about that Game 7 in Vegas. And the old man's probably pretty proud of you. No, uh, no Patrick Marlowe on the, the San Jose Sharks Mount Rushmore. Um, but, yeah, man, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, super excited to have you on the network. We're definitely going to have to do some interviews with you into next season, whatever that may be. I mean, we're all, we're all going nuts here. I'm going nuts with those sports. I mean, for the first month, it's like, all right, I can kind of make it through. I, I've done summers without hockey, so, you know, you yeah. can, can kind of pull through. But now we're getting to the point where we don't see the end of it. And it's, uh, it's kind of terrifying, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, it's, it's tough here too, you know, being in Jersey, which is one of the most uh, highly populated states when it comes to COVID-19 and you know, everything, it, it's been rough. There's no question about it. I mean, it's, um, but the one thing I tell people is that I look, you got to take it one day at a time and try to, you know, complete one thing, even if it's just something very small. You know, I always quote uh, John Wooden, the famous basketball coach from UCLA way back in the day. One of his things on the pyramid of success that everybody knows about is uh, make every day your masterpiece. And basically that means, you know, try to accomplish something really good every day. You know, whether it's doing a podcast episode or, you know, calling a friend and, and checking up on them or, you know, starting to read a new book or watch a new show or, you know, go on social media or try to look up, you know, things that you might want to do for a career or things like that. Just anything you can think of. Um, and if you do something like that every day, these days will go by so quickly and, you know, it, it will get better. Things will get better. It will, we will all get through this and we will be stronger than ever when we get out of it and uh, we get society back, um, back to, uh, back rolling again. I wouldn't say normal because this is, this is not going to, this is going to be a, a different time and a different situation when we're allowed to go out again. But, uh, you know, the fact that it's April and uh, there's no hockey and no Stanley Cup playoffs and I'm still growing a playoff beard as we speak, uh, it's a little bit hard. But uh, luckily, NBCSN has done a great job of showing multiple Devils and Sharks playoff games that have uh, warmed my heart the last couple of weeks. Well, that was, uh, that was pretty deep, Neil. I don't think this, this podcast has ever gone so deep. So uh, thank you for that. Make every day your masterpiece. Uh, I like that. You hear that, Producer T? Try and do I something productive it. tomorrow, eh? Oh, thanks, buddy. I'll try. <laughs> I mean, today, today is you know, it's it's just, it's a little bit of a different day. It's four twenty. It's uh, you know, maybe I got something oh, well, done. You know, but. you know, that's that. You know, it's an important day. It's an important day considering we're in quarantine. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny, uh, Thomas. My my friend, because um, I, I posted a a picture just before we started. Um, my friend who's a Devils fan, he says, "Has this? Has anybody ever told this guy that he looks identical to Mackenzie Blackwood?" And it's really funny, and I'm laughing, because you really do look like Mackenzie Blackwood a lot. Even the mustache looks almost identical to what he has. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. 
I'm, I'm, t- I'm telling you, <laughs> Dylan, you got to find a picture of Mackenzie Blackwood and look at Thomas and say. I'm doing that right now. I've actually got it right next to his face. And yeah, it looked pretty damn similar. <laughs> it's really, it's scary how close he looks. I've been looking, I've been like, should I say this to him? Should I not? Like, I don't want to be offensive. But like, he looks like this guy so much. It's incredible. It's act- I'll like, take you it. Could, you could literally come to New Jersey and I swear people would think you were Mackenzie Blackwood. I am not kidding. People would go nuts. I got to go to Jersey, I guess, when all this come. is over, eh? You guys got to come to Jersey, man. You know, when the Sharks come to uh, Jersey, I'm always, I'm always at the game. I, I'm always there. So if you guys are in the area during that time, let me know and uh, we'll definitely meet up. Awesome, man. And, yeah, folks, this guy isn't bullshit. He's a true uh, Sharks fan. He's wearing a there's, – there's two of us in this conference call wearing San Jose Sharks jerseys, and Producer T is not one of them. Uh, I know I don't have I don't have the virtual background. I don't have the jersey. I'm just a piss poor producer. But at least you got a Yankee shirt on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I got something sports at least. You know. It's I mean, yeah, you can't you can't go wrong with that. You can't go wrong <laughs> with that. But um, also, how's the uh, how's the weather been treating you guys up there? Well, you know, it's always raining up here in the West Coast of uh, Vancouver Alley. But honestly, the last two weeks has been all right. It's kind of a blessing and a curse, though. You know, the nice weather comes out and you want to go outside and enjoy it. And you right. go, go do the things you would always do in the summer, right? Go to the bars or whatever it may be, but we're kind of stuck inside. Looking right. outside the window at the sun, I don't know, it's kind of killing me, to be <laughs> honest with you. I'd almost rather have the rain right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm lucky that we get some nice weather right now. And, uh, but, you know, it, it's still tough. I mean, you could at least go outside, but you can't go, uh, go out very far, unfortunately. But, um, you know, again, I just want to say thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, you know, like I said, I'm a huge Sharks fan. Um, you know, I, I love, you know, even though I love the Devils and the Sharks, I love talking about any team in the NHL. So I've been kind of like reaching out to as many of the podcasts as I can and say, hey, you know, I would love to come on and talk just, you know, whatever, kind of introduce myself and, uh, you know, just talk about whatever team you guys want, you know, the guys want to talk about. So. Amazing, man. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Like I said before, we're going to bring you on again uh, going into next season to talk some New Jersey Devils. All the best to you. Take care uh, going into the summer. You as well, guys. And again, thank you so much for uh, having me on. It was a blast. No problem. Take care, Neil. You too. And that was Neil. Uh, I'm not going to say his last name anymore because I feel like I'm just being disrespectful. (laughs) So that was an awesome interview. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Kyle, that's pretty much all I really had for this episode. Is is there anything else you want to say to the listeners at all before we head on out? No, just keep listening. Keep paying attention. You got any questions uh, or comments, put them on Uh, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, I mean, and and go to our Twitter handles because, I mean, that's – that's where you can get a hold of us, mostly individually-wise. Totally. And, uh, if you want to talk about something, to me, it's, it's, it's go there. Let's, let's talk about it, especially with yeah. the Sharks. I'd love to do another uh, McLaren's mailbag soon. It's, it's one yeah. of my favorite segments for sure, <laughs> especially with all the, the fan questions because they get creative. You're yeah. very open and honest about everything too, so yeah. it's always fun. So, uh, yeah, so make sure to tweet at Kyle. Um, what's your Twitter handle? McLaren underscore K. Perfect. You can follow myself at producer underscore T-E-E. You can follow the podcast at Stick Hungry Pod, and you can follow the network at HockeyPodNet. Thanks for listening, folks, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>